Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show tonight. I am your host, Doris Hansen, and you know, it's a, an honor and a privilege to be able to, to do this show every week and talk about the, the things that are on our hearts. Um, I would like to remind everyone before we get started on the show of this year's Capstone Conference. It's going to be next weekend, uh, uh, April 12th through the 13th, and it will be at Calvary Chapel at 460 West Century Drive, that's 4350 South in Salt Lake City. For more information, you can call 801-264-9999, or you can go to the website capstoneconference.com. The purpose of the conference is to equip Christians to minister in this culture, and we have been asked to give a presentation on Saturday afternoon. April 13th, and we're going to be focusing on Joseph Smith's plural wives who had legal husbands. There were 11 married couples where each of the wives had plural husbands, and one of them, of course, was Joseph Smith. So join us at the Capstone Conference. It's free, and you will be blessed. And the keynote speaker at the Capstone Conference is, uh, will be Dr. Phil Roberts. He served as president of the Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. And he also will be the guest speaker on Sunday, April 14th at Mill Creek Baptist Church. That's located at 1515 East, 4500 South in Holiday. So if you want to hear some good, exciting, powerful, biblical preaching, come to Mill Creek Baptist Church on April 14th. Worship begins at 1045 a.m. Everyone, of course, is invited to come and enjoy Dr. Roberts' exposition of biblical truths. On January 31st of this year, uh, the guest on our show was Tyson Holbrook. And Tyson was a former Mormon, and he wanted to come on the show and tell his story of how the practice of Joseph Smith's command for polygamy uh, that drove him to research true church history and eventually drove him to seek truth elsewhere. Of course, he did find the truth, the only place that it can be found, and that's in biblical Christianity and that was on January 31st. On February 2nd, two days later, he sent me an email, and I, I'm going to put it on the screen and so you can read with me what he said in the email, and I quote, I wanted to let you know, as a result of me appearing on the show, it looks as though I'm going to be excommunicated. My bishop called me the day after the show and wants me to meet with the stake president as well. I think this is awesome. It certainly shows how open of a book their history is. I'll let you know how that goes. A woman also called me about the show who expressed her fear about addressing her questions as it relates to ramifications from the church." End quote. So you can see how a false religion purposely incites fear in their members who begin to have any questions. The very next day, on February 3rd, Tyson emailed me again, and he said, 
quote, I just met with the bishop and the stake president. They are great guys and were very nice. They are my friends. I do have a disciplinary council set up and I'm likely getting excommunicated. I'll keep you posted. I told them I'm fine with the cost I have to pay to be honest. The stake president told me he saw the program and I just covered what I don't believe. He said I should focus on what I do believe. Really? That was bad advice, and taking advice like that will end you up in hellfire for sure. You know, if there's something you don't believe, you need to check it out. And God said to test everything. So Tyson was obedient to God. March 3rd, a month later, I received this email from Tyson. Quote, okay, it is done. I attended the disciplinary hearing today and I was excommunicated. The biggest thing they took issue with was me speaking out. I am completely fine with the consequence of my speaking out. I was kicked out for telling the truth. That holds so much more value to me. I was recently discussing the Book of Abraham and the Kinderhook plates with some people. That kind of stuff is imperative to both Mormons and polygamists alike to show the verifiable fraud Joseph Smith used in his translation. He cannot be trusted and should be exposed, end quote. March 16th, two weeks later, I got an email and he said, quote, I just got my excommunication letter. I am called to repentance. An interesting thing, they announced it in church as well. That was surprising. I appreciate you and your dedication to truth. Thank you for the opportunity to have contributed to your show. Sincerely, Tyson. By the way, I need to mention here that I have, of course, got, gotten, received Tyson's permission to share this information on the show, and we are grateful to him and to others for the courage that they have in telling the truth, no matter the cost. And may I remind Mormons and polygamists who are watching, your shunning techniques are reprehensible and shameful. Your so-called free agency isn't free. You exact a very high price. Jesus never would have done such things. In fact, he promised that he would never cast anyone out who comes to him. More proof that the Jesus of the Bible is not the Jesus of Mormonism. Jesus' disciples and others were constantly asking him questions, and he answered all their questions, and he answered them honestly, which is something that Mormonism refuses to do. Thank you, Tyson, for sharing and for having the courage and the boldness to embrace the truth and to stand up for it by talking about it rather than keeping silent. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20 tells Christians this, and I quote, We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. This verse very clearly tells us that Jesus Christ is the true God. The Bible warns us against being taken captive by false gods, and Jesus warned us about false Christs that would come. 
I was born and raised in a polygamy group, most of you know that. And that, that polygamy, polygamy group taught us opposite of what God warned us against. I grew up to believe and worship a very strange God who really is no God at all. In fact, he is a false God. But I didn't know he was false, and neither did my parents understand that it was a false God that they were teaching us about. Years ago, I turned my back and walked away from the polygamy group, and I'm now on the outside looking in and can plainly see that they continue to teach their people about this false god. When I left the polygamy group, all I knew about God was what they taught me about him, and although I never stopped believing that there is a God, I did reject the God that I was taught to believe in. I hated him, not only because of who I thought he was, but because I had been taught that he hated me first, and there was nothing about him to like. Mercifully, many years later, the true God entered my life, and he taught me about himself, and he is no resemblance whatsoever whatsoever to the false God of whom I had been indoctrinated. And I began to learn who God is and who God is not. One of the greatest tragedies of those who leave the Mormon belief system is that when they discover that they have been lied to all their lives by people that they should have trusted most, then they totally reject all things religious. So they become agnostics or atheists and they miss out on the truth of who God is and they miss out on the beauty and the joy of living their life in the forgiveness and protection and grace of the true God. They don't want, they don't know him and they don't want to know him and they don't know that to, to know him is to love him. Tonight I want to unmask the false god of polygamy and present you with the true God of the Bible who is the God of truth. And hopefully some who are watching will, will recognize that, uh, that if you want to get out of polygamy, you can leave with God's blessing and we'll help you because God is not the God that you've been taught and that you think he is. The God I was taught about was a celestial tyrant. He played favoritism and is filled with anger and hate towards anyone who wasn't perfect or who didn't have the right last name or who had the wrong attitude towards polygamy. The God, this false God, demanded blind obedience and he would happily destroy me into the depths of hell if I didn't live my life the way the male leadership of this little group told me I should live. This God was once a mere man himself, and through his own good works, he learned how to stop sinning and how to become a God the same way that many millions of gods before him had done. He was a polygamist. Of course he was. People become like the God they serve. Actually, what happens is that to justify themselves, people dream up a God who is like themselves. The polygamists developed a God that not only condoned polygamy, but commanded it and who was a polygamist himself. Early Mormon polygamists like Brigham Young and Orson Pratt and, and others taught that God was an exalted man who was a polygamist and Jesus was earning exaltation and was also a polygamist. According to them, God has many wives who eternally gives birth to spirit babies who will populate all his worlds and he has sired billions of spirit babies and some of them are devils and demons because each of his worlds must have a devil and demons. What a God. He is eternally, eternally preoccupied with sex. 
he allows his people to molest little girls and little boys. Does that mean that he once did that himself? Well, according to their doctrine, he had sex with his own daughter, the Virgin Mary, who produced a literal son, Jesus, so Mary gave birth to her own brother? These polygamists, who are supposedly living under the righteous commands of this God, are having sexual relations with all kinds of relatives. Half-brothers and sisters get married and have families. Uncles marry their nieces. First and second cousins marry and have families. All of this is illegal, but their God told them to do it. Their sons molest and rape their sisters. Fathers molest and rape their daughters. And they claim their God told them to do it. Have you ever noticed that God becomes a scapegoat for all their evils and the horrors that their leadership forces upon their helpless followers? God gets blamed for more evil than the devil does. No wonder people walk away from polygamy, hating religion and anything tainted with it. Their God breaks his promises. Even though God promised that he would preserve and protect his word, they deny he kept that promise. Instead, they claim that he allowed his word to be perverted and corrupted and mistranslated and lost for hundreds of generations, and he had to bring Joseph Smith in to do what he failed to do. Their God failed to keep his promise and his failure proves that he's not to be trusted and that he is frivolous with the people who do trust him. The polygamy group God is selfish, insensitive, and greedy. He needs money and businesses in order to increase his earthly polygamous kingdom. Money is not to be spent on families, children's necessities, or medical needs, and heaven forbid, not on recreation, it's so ungodly to have fun. He demands all money to go back into his kingdom businesses and bank accounts so that more businesses can be acquired, which makes his kingdom even more powerful. So his power is money and what money can do for him. We were constantly warned against spending money. They always needed every penny, every dime and nickel to keep their businesses in business or they threatened us. God's work would fail and it would be our fault. If that were true, their God is some kind of weakling, I'm telling you. They didn't want money, didn't want us to spend money to fix up the house or the yard or the car. New clothes were next to forbidden. And food? (laughs) Don't go buy food when you can get it out of the dumpster behind the supermarket. No wonder people reject this so-called God. He didn't care how we suffered or sacrificed as long as he increased his assets. The God of polygamy bribes his people with heavenly bank accounts in exchange for their earthly bank accounts. No one seems to realize that tithing and the United Order are not fire insurance premiums. Paying tithe will keep no one out of hell. No human suffering moved this God to mercy, compassion, or tenderness. We were never taught to love him or that he loved us, but we were taught to obey him, and if we didn't, he'd take vengeance. Their God is a cheat and a thief. It is okay for his people, but only his people, to cheat the government, whether it be in tax fraud or welfare fraud or just plain telling lies about their activities. Anything illegal was okay as long as it benefited his earthly kingdom. And no one seems to have learned from Jesus when he said, My kingdom is not of this world. 
no polygamy group can be the kingdom of God because all polygamy groups are of this world. Believe it or call Jesus a liar because that's what he said. Secrecy was the word of the day every day. Keeping the group's activities secret required telling lies and God approved of them. But Jesus tells us that Satan, the devil, is the father of lies, that he cannot tell the truth, and we were taught to lie, and how to lie to outsiders, and which lies we were to tell to deceive them with. So if Satan is the father of lies, then who is teaching us to lie? Just who is their God? And why were we taught to obey a liar? Some polygamy groups and other arms of Mormonism spy on their members. They use cameras or audio or people to spy out possible dissenters. Why? God's true work is based on total and complete freedom. Satan is the one who holds souls in bondage. Jesus is the one who sets them free. Think about that. Another tragic part of this God's character is that he is unkind and selfish, he's unloving and vindictive. These characteristics are what made him detestable to me. It caused me to be afraid of him and drove me to run from him for decades. I thought he was real. I was scared to death of him. I did run from him, but I knew he was always there somewhere and many times I have expected to turn a corner and there he would be waiting for me in all his wrath and fury, smoke pouring out of his nostrils and flames coming out of his ears. And with fierce rumblings of terror, he had cut me down and consigned me to the lowest depths of burning hell. And I'm not making this up. That was the idea of God that I had. And I lived in that kind of fear for decades. What an icky God. Some polygamy groups teach their people. <clears throat> Do you realize that false religious systems use guilt and fear to keep their members hostage? Guilt and fear are their tools for control and mastery. Guilt and fear for even thinking for themselves. They will do our thinking for us. They will teach us their truth. So don't look for it elsewhere. One day I realized that the leadership of this little false kingdom of God was a mirror image of their God. So I escaped from this terrifying kingdom of darkness. Now, many years later, I have learned that this God of whom I was so terrified is in reality no God at all. He is the myth of some men's perverted imaginations. He isn't a group God. You don't have to belong to that group or to any group or any religion or any organization in order to gain God's favor or eternal life. If you're in a group that teaches you that they are the only true church, you need to get out because that's as what a false God teaches. It's a lie. And now that I know the truth about the real God, I'm not afraid of him. I love him. He's honest. He's trustworthy. He's so patient. He's kind and merciful and compassionate and faithful to his word. He's everything good and wonderful. He's awesome, magnificent and majestic. And he is beautiful. Psalm 27, 4 says, One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. 
The true God is the only one who can heal you spiritually and emotionally. And virtually everyone who escapes from a polygamy group needs emotional and spiritual healing. The true God is all-powerful, all-knowing, always everywhere at the same time. He's the creator of all things, and he created everything out of nothing all by himself. That doesn't describe the God of the book of Abraham, does it? John 3.16 tells it like it is regarding a God who loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I never learned about God's love while I was growing up. I did not know that God had the capacity to love. Oh, I knew he liked certain people, uh, people who had the right name or had certain parents, or if they worked like bees in their little kingdom beehive, then he liked them. But don't make a mistake, or he won't like you anymore. His concern for any of us was totally conditional. We often referred to the following verse on this show, and I'm going to bring them up again because they're so true, so powerful, and so relevant. 1 John 4.16 says, God is love. 1 John 4.18 and 19, there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Polygamists thrive on the doctrine of fear and punishment. And they make sure that God always gets the blame for all their evil, when in reality, God is love. There's no fear in love. The programming techniques that the polygamy groups use are based on shame and guilt and fear. This verse tells us that perfect love does not create fear, it drives away fear. That truth can change the heart of a person who was born and bred on fear. The truth of God's love is what began the change in me, and His love is available to anyone who will receive Him. And I'll bet you that your polygamy group never taught you this about God, that He loves the unlovable. And along with the false God came all the impossible works for eternal life. I had been brainwashed as thousands who are living in some form of Mormonism today are also brainwashed and they don't know it. They have the wrong God and they have the wrong Jesus. Their Jesus has the same name, but he's not the same person. We cannot know how many people have left polygamy groups or even the Mormon church and become atheists, but we do know that they rejected God because they became sick and tired of living to please a tyrant labeled God who loads them down with guilt and fear and who cannot tell the truth. They've been taught that this God of their polygamy group is responsible for all their pain, all the cheating and deceit, all the abuse that has been to them, the broken lives and the broken hearts, the broken promises and the heavy oppression. In their minds, it was God who caused them to be born and raised in this abusive and deceitful branch of Mormonism called polygamy. God did all that, they claim, they think. How can a God who allows such ugly behavior and lets them get away with it, how can he be a good God? Who wants a God that has such a selfish and sadistic character? I know that feeling. I experienced it. I, I, I know that thinking. 
I was guilty of it. I've done it, I lived it, and for a long, long time. And I talk to people constantly now who are right there where I once was. And little did we know that we were serving men, not God. And they've slandered God. They've lied about him. Everything they taught about him amounts to slander. In fact, he's just the opposite. He's not selfish. He doesn't condone cheating and lying. He's not a polygamist or the author of polygamy, and he certainly isn't married. He isn't the author of or responsible for physical or sexual abuse. Instead, he's the good shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. Jesus Christ is God. The person that died for you on the cross is our Savior and our God. Look at these scriptures. John chapter 20, uh, verses 27 and 28, it says, Then said he to Thomas, Reach here thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach here thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Thomas declared that Jesus Christ is Lord and God. Titus chapter 2 verse 10 says that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. And verse 13 says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Obviously, Jesus is God. Titus chapter 3 verse 4, but after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward men appeared. And verse 6, Jesus Christ our Savior. You can see God and Jesus Christ are used intermittently as being our Savior because Jesus is God. The one on the cross was our God and Savior, and Jesus Christ is the God of Christianity and is the God of the Bible and is God Almighty, and He is good, and He loves us, and He died for us, and He even died for those who spit in His face and say, I don't want you to be my God and my Savior. God is a giver. He isn't a taker. John chapter 10, verse 28, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. God doesn't need money or businesses. He needs nothing. In fact, He wants you to spend your money to provide for the needs of yourself and your family. In fact, the Bible tells us that the man who doesn't support his family is worse than a reprobate, 1 Timothy 5.8. You see, they blame God for their own personal greed. They claim God is a man, but he's not. 1 Samuel 15, 29. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man that he should change his mind. Numbers 23, verse 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man, that he should change his mind. God is not a liar. He cannot lie. He cannot tempt or command us to lie. He is not a man. He never started out as a man. They have slandered God. Men do that. But God doesn't lie. We can trust the true God because he is good and he is honest.
God does not condone or command cheating. He is not unfaithful. He is not unloving or unmerciful. He passed his goodness before Moses. And Exodus 34, he tells Moses about himself. And this is what he said in verses 6 and 7. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. He is and he always will be the only existing God anywhere and everywhere. Isaiah 43, 10 and 11. Before me no God was formed, nor will there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me there is no Savior. Now we all know that there are plenty of false gods, but there is only one true God. And he doesn't accept good works to earn salvation. So bag the polygamy. You don't need it. Just simple faith and trust in him alone for eternal life. John chapter 6 verses 28 and 29. And then they said unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. Just believe and trust Him, and Him only. And believing in Him requires that you throw away all your other religion, all your other doctrine, all the other helps that people concoct to make it into, uh, into eternal glory. All of that has to go if you trust in Him. You don't believe any man or any woman, no matter who they are, if they tell you that you must do things in order to make God happy wrong. Polygamy does not make God happy. Temples don't. The united order concept didn't come from God but from man's greed. Celestial marriage vows, endowments and other private and secret ceremonies, they're not from God. Jesus never said or did anything in secret and he said not to make vows, not to swear about anything, he said. But let your yes be yes and your no be no, that anything beyond that was from the devil. Jesus said that. Matthew chapter 5 verse 37. So don't reject God because religion twisted the true God into an image that is not God at all. To know God is to love Him, not to run from Him. Jesus Christ, who is God, loved us so much that He died on the cross, taking the punishment for our sin so that we could have His personal righteousness applied to us as a gift. 2 Corinthians 5.21 You can receive His love and forgiveness, not on your terms. Our terms are not eternal. True forgiveness comes on His terms and they are good. When we look at the cross of Jesus Christ, we can see how much God hates sin. That's what the cross is all about, God's hatred of sin. But when we look at the cross again, and the one who died for our sins there, we also see God's love for each of us. That's something I was never taught. But I know it now, and I know I want others to know this God who is so opposite from the monster God that I was taught about. I was taught hate and punishment, but God is love, forgiveness, and grace. He's the kind of God you want to serve, not out of fear and guilt and threats, but out of love 
and joy. You want to serve him, not out of self-inflicting sacrifice, but a natural reaction to love him back. We love because he first loved us. We want all those who believe in a false god to know who the real God really is. Who want, we want them to understand that the love of God invites, it doesn't repel. We want all those who have escaped from the polygamy God, whichever group it might be, to discover the true God who spreads out his arms to you every day in love and acceptance, who will accept you and receive you just as you are this very moment. We're going to open our phone lines now and we invite phone calls. If anybody would like to come in or call in and share, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love uh, to hear from you regarding what we've talked about tonight, or if you have other questions or comments regarding polygamy, call in 801-973-8820-973-TV20. And as we wait for the calls to come in, we are sharing with you our ministry message. You are watching Polygamy, What Love Is This? Broadcasting live from Salt Lake City, Utah. This program is the broadcast outreach of A Shield and Refuge Ministry. Shield and Refuge is a point of first contact for Mormon fundamentalists who question the doctrines of the religion or who are actively seeking for an opportunity to escape the polygamist lifestyle. Examining the claims of fundamentalist doctrine against the backdrop of biblical truth is central to our efforts. We invite you to contact us. Call toll-free at 877 425 or email us at We want you to know that we have made available to you some outstanding resources free of charge. You will find them at our website, www.whatloveisthis.tv. There you will find the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy, which documents the real-life stories told firsthand of those who were lifted out of the culture of polygamy through the power and love of Jesus Christ. Also, free of charge to you is the booklet, Is Polygamy Biblical? It explores plural marriage in the context of God's Word and answers questions like, Did God ever command polygamy? Is it part of God's plan? While you are at our website, make sure to take advantage of the archived episodes of this program, which can stream on demand directly to your computer. There are more than 100 shows to choose from. And if someone you know is unable to view this program via live broadcast, recommend that they visit this same website every Thursday at 8 p.m. Mountain Time to watch this show through live streaming video. Simply follow the links to the live streaming video page. If you are watching live tonight, we invite you to call us as we open our phone lines. The number is 801-973-TV20. That's 801-973-8820. Now, back to Polygamy, What Love Is This? with our host, Doris Hansen. Welcome back to our show. This is Polygamy, What Love Is This? And I am Doris Hansen, your host. And we spent the first part of the show talking about the false God that the polygamy groups teach their people. That the God that they teach is not the God of the Bible. In fact, so many things that they teach about Him is opposite of uh, what the Bible teaches about God. Our phone lines are open if you'd like to call in about this topic or, or any topic that has to do with polygamy or the, the, the culture around us. Give us a call, 801-973-TV20. 
801-973-8820. Be sure and turn your TV volume down when you get on the air. You know, as um, in a recent Sunday meeting in a particular polygamy group, the leader of that group gave an interesting message. I thought I'd share some of it with you. This is the leader of a polygamy group. I'm not going to name names. First, he told his people that they were that he was going to be taking two more wives. Now, this man, the leader of this group, already has over 20 wives. But when when is plural marriage? You know, I mean, how many wives you have to have to make it plural marriage? He's got over 20 wives, but in plural marriage, you know, it seems like enough is never enough when it comes to plural wives. But he told the men in his congregation to pay attention to God when he lays it on their hearts to take another wife. That's a false god. He told the single females to obey the priesthood when they tell you to marry an older man because God speaks through the priesthood. That's false doctrine. He said that men should marry sisters whenever possible because Jesus took sisters, Mary and Martha, as plural wives. That's a false Jesus. This is the kind of heresy and false teaching that come in polygamy groups and other groups when people reject the Bible and depend upon personal and private modern revelation. In a future show, I am going to discuss Leviticus chapter 18 in, in, in kind of some detail where God gave some explicit prohibitions for sexual activity and marriage. And one of those prohibitions is that a man is not to take sisters for wives. And Joseph Smith took at least four sets of sisters as plural wives, which is an open rebellion against God's word. And Joseph Smith's translation of the Bible never changed Leviticus 18 either. It remains exactly the way the King James Bible has it. Like I said earlier tonight, polygamy groups teach and do the opposite of what the Bible teaches. This church message uh, is precisely the kind of sermons that you'll read in the Journal of Discourses that Brigham Young and Orson Pratt and, Orson and, and Heber C. Kimball and other men taught in early Mormonism. That's the kind of preaching they did. That message and messages like it is the foundation of the Mormon religion. The root produces the fruit, and what Mormonism was first invented to be, the polygamy groups of today has become. Just look at them, and then read the historical Mormonism, and you can see that. Okay, we have a call on line one. We have Tammy calling from Magna. Hello, Tammy. I'm here. Oh, yes, Tammy, you're on the air. You're on the air, Tammy. Okay. Hi, Doris. Hi. Hi, is your, Doris. Is, I just wanted to let you know that God is using your program to witness to me. I am a born-again Christian. I was witnessing to my friends today at work about how the Mormon church believes that they will practice polygamy in heaven and they will be with more than one, they, they will have more than one sister wife. And my LDS friend told me that is not what our church believes. And I told her, yes, it is. And God used your program tonight to reaffirm to me that what I was telling her and how I was witnessing to her was the right thing. I just want you to know, I praise God for your show because he is using you to well, save God. people. 
Thank you. Day. I thank, just wanted to thank you. Thank you, Tammy. Thanks for sharing that with us. And you know, the Mormons uh, church, that, that's their doctrine. It's always been their doctrine that there would live plural marriage in heaven. And even when they gave up uh, polygamy here, uh, they still believed that they would have plural wives in heaven. And if they didn't believe it, why are they sealing? Why are men getting sealed to multiple women in the temple? When they, when they have a, a, a wife who dies, they'll, they'll seal them, get sealed to other women and, and then think they'll have plural wives in heaven. So they do believe that. Um, now, what they're being taught in different places, I, I know that the, the teaching can vary in different places, but still it is a Mormon doctrine. And I would like right now to ask a question um, to our LDS viewers. What is your gut reaction when you hear that Warren Jeffs has claimed all Joseph Smith's priesthood authority and then that he uses that assumed authority to, to perpetrate his various crimes in the FLDS polygamy group under the, the power of that priesthood authority? Now, I know some will scoff that he has that about his claims. Others will recoil and they'll sharply object to it. Some will laugh it off. And there are others will call his priesthood authority ridiculous. All of the polygamy groups claim they have this authority, by the way, as well as the mainline church. Some people are offended that polygamy group leaders uh, would dare to take something like the priesthood and misappropriate its authority. But I want to suggest, and, and, and see, I want to see what you think about this, that Warren Jeffs has as much right to any presumed priesthood authority as does any group on the planet including the LDS Church, because the presumed authority does not officially exist. Now, if you are offended that Warren Jeffs takes this authority, how do you think God feels when you are operating under the presumed authority that belongs only to Jesus Christ? You are assuming his authority. You have usurped it because God has given it to no one. It belongs only to Jesus. He is the only high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And if you hate it, when polygamists refer to themselves as Mormon fundamentalists, how do you think Christians feel when you refer to yourself as Christians? Based on your own history and doctrine, the polygamists are closer to being Mormon than the Mormons are to being Christian. And early Mormonism never wanted to be associated with that word at all anyway. So what's the difference now? Okay, um, we have a call from Mike in South Jordan. Hello, Mike. <coughs> Mike. Hello. Yes, hi. Turn the volume down to your TV, please. It is. Okay, you're on the air. Your, vol your volume's not down, Mike. Okay, yes, hi, this is Mike. Yes. Are you there, Doris? I'm here, are you there? Hi, Doris, this is Mike Unstinks. Okay. And I have a question about Warden. Can you hear me? I, I can hear you. Is your volume this down? This is Mike Unstinks. Mike? I have a question about Warren Jeffs. Okay. Go for it. And I'm just wondering, you know, you're, uh, to begin with, I want to tell you thank you. You're doing a wonderful job. I appreciate you. Thank you. You're, you're, I like what you're saying here. Thank you. In, in regards to Warren Jeffs, do you think he should be in prison for life? He is in prison for life. 
so obviously raping little boys got them there, correct? Raping little girls did. Little, little girls and boys or just no, he, little girls? He, 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 he did uh, molest boys, but he, he is in prison for assault of young girls, sexual assault of young girls, a 12-year-old and a 15-year-old, I think. Do you know him personally, or do you know anyone that knows him? Oh, I know a lot of people who know him, but I don't know him personally. All right. Well, that's that's all I had for you, Dora. Okay. The Doris, excuse me. Okay. Okay. Have a great night. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. <laughs> um, our phone lines are open. Eight zero one nine seven three TV twenty. 801-973-8820. We'd love to hear what you have to say or what you think about what we've been talking about tonight. I thought perhaps maybe it's been a while since we've read some emails or some letters that we've received. And so I thought maybe I would share some of them with you while we're waiting for the calls to come in. Um, this email says... It is good to talk to someone who understands the dishonesty and the deceit that is being taught. Years ago, I talked to my bishop how I feel about polygamy. He told me of another woman who had failed as I did and that she soon found herself excommunicated. He told me not to worry about it. Sister, someday you'll understand it. Little did I know at the time about the real Joseph Smith, his wives, his promises of exaltation, to them and their whole families, his association with the Masons, his marriages to already married women, etc. If he wanted to have another man's wife, he just sent her husband away on a mission and married her while he was gone. Most Mormons have no idea of the true church history and have only been taught the sterilized version. LDS members are taught from youth that the church is the only way to salvation, so there is a fear of losing salvation if we deviate or question teachings. This fear is very real and hard to get rid of. Actually, I guess we are brainwashed, and unless a person has been brainwashed, they will never understand what it is, how real it is, and how fearful it is. And this is very true. Now, unless a person has been brainwashed and come out of being brainwashed, they will never know it. Because if you're brainwashed, you don't know that you are. And we continue to exhort our viewers to study your own history, not the Cloroxed version that you get, but, but the real down and dirty history of, their, of your own church. Uh, a brainwashed person uh, is afraid to do that. And like I mentioned earlier, the fear that comes through a false religion, they, they, they work on fear and punishment, and there is no reason for it because perfect love, the love of God, drives away fear. It doesn't cause it because God is love. And excommunication is a human response, a religion response. Remember, Jesus Christ promised that he would never cast out anyone that comes to him. So if your church is in the business of excommunication because you spoke up or something, uh, you're in the wrong place. You're in a false religion. You've got a false God and a false Jesus. Um, and and, and for, for being afraid to question, we covered that earlier um, in the false God of uh, the polygamy group I taught about because 
um, there is no reason that we should fear asking questions. The Bible is very clear that we should check things out and test everything to make sure that we have the truth. It looks like our phone lines are full, but we don't have any phone calls ready yet. So I'll pick up here on another, um, another email. This woman said, her name is A. I'll just call her Miss A. She said, I feel sorry that you have turned all this time and energy into something that you clearly want to be free of, Mormonism. Do you not have a way that you could use your time more wisely? Don't get me wrong when someone can express feelings like you have. That's great. I want to express my feelings. I want to tell the world or your little bubble that I believe in truth. I believe in the feeling I get when I'm in church or attending the temple. I know you don't understand that. You've never had the light and never will as you continue to tear apart others' testimonies. Your show has a great concept to preach to the world what you feel to be true and can be a platform for the things that you feel, although more fiction than fact. If your heart was truly open to God's love, would you still tell lies, half-truths, and nonsense? I know you think you are an all-knowing being, but your truth is not the truth. What a sad life you must live. I pray that one day you'll be humble enough to our Heavenly Father to go to Him through Christ and the Holy Spirit and learn for yourself that you matter in the world. Use it for good and you will be blessed as you do so. So, Miss A, I have some questions also for you. But first I want to tell you, you mentioned how you feel when you go into the temple or how you feel when you do certain things in your religion. We are never to rely on our feelings as a barometer for truth. If you feel good somewhere, that doesn't, has nothing to do with God or religion or religious truth at all or biblical truth. Our feelings are subject to change at a whim. Um, but that's how people get scammed. You know, a, a good salesman, based on feelings, he can promote good feelings and scam people all the time out of millions of dollars because he makes them feel good. And that's what Joseph Smith did. And it's all a myth. Uh, Mormonism from polygamy groups to the mainline church are based on myths. Check it out. You can prove it. It's easy to prove it. Um, and I find it interesting that this woman seems to know how I feel and think. Uh, she said that she knows that I think that I'm an all-knowing being. I don't know how she knows that. Uh, how does she know what I think? And she said that I tear apart testimonies of other people. Really? Their testimonies couldn't have been very strong if I was able to tear them apart. They must not have been worth much if they were that easily destroyed. And besides that, how does she know I never had the light? How does she know all this about me? You know, very judgmental here. Um, and I could continue to tear apart her letter with all of her innu innuendos and judgments, but I pray most of all that she will see the light. Read jo John chapter 1 um, and actually the entire Gospel of John and see where the light truly is. It's not in the temple. It's not in the LDS church. It's in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. And He is all anyone needs. Okay, line two, we have Robert calling from Salt Lake City. Hello, Robert. Yes, ma'am. Yes, you're on the air. How are you? Good, thank you. Uh, yes, uh, I'm out in uh, Kaysville, Utah, and uh, I have uh, a, a boss of mine who is, uh, 
trying to convert me into the LDS church, and he's using uh, references from the Old Testament of Abraham uh, being involved with polygamy with, uh, Sir, I believe, Sarah uh-huh. and uh, uh, somebody else. I'm not too familiar Hagar. with it, but he's, <laughs> he's using the Old Testament theology of Abraham to justify Joseph Smith's uh, polygamy in the 1830s, and I was just wondering if you could help me out, because it's really... Uh, confusing me as a non-denominational Christian, having so many people in the LDS church in my neighborhood uh, coming by, giving me these lessons, and it's it's just really putting uh, kind of a cloud on my soul, so to say. Well, <laughs> I don't know if you can help me out here. Well, if you know your Bible, it's it, you've got a good mission field right there. Uh, but oh, oh, yeah. you know, you can you can read in uh, especially um, Genesis chapter sixteen and read about what happened with with Abraham and Sarah and Hagar is the maidservant. And any time that they want to use Abraham as an example for polygamy, they're barking up the wrong tree, I'm telling you, because that's a bad story. And it was something that they did, God, never, nowhere in the text will you find that God ever told them, uh, Abraham and Sarah, to, for him to take another wife. Sarah did it. Sarah gave Hagar to Abraham. Abraham said, okay, and he did. She got pregnant, and then she just lorded it over Sarah, and Sarah got mad and chased her out of town, and God met Hagar out in the desert because he loved her, and he sent her back to Sarah, not to Abraham. And, and Hagar had her child in safety. She only had one child all of her life, proving that Hagar was not the wife of Abraham, but the maid of Sarah, and, uh, and Abraham never slept with her again. And then in Galatians chapter 3, you will read where God told, uh, where we hear that, that Abraham and Hagar and Sarah are kind of like grace and works. And, and and, and God told Sarah to tell Abraham to kick Hagar out when she was when the son was old enough that she could live on her own. And, and so that's what they did. So if they want to do the works of Abraham, they will not live plural marriage and they will send they will provide for those extra families and they'll send them away. And I have a book entitled Is Polygamy Biblical? Uh, and if you would want to leave your telephone number or your address, I will mail that to you and it tells all the Old Testament incidences of polygamy and their the answers to Mormons and polygamists for it. Yes, uh, how would I go about giving you my address? Just the address operator, right now? Don't, yeah, don't hang up, but let the operator take your address and she'll give it to me after the show. Okay, and you said that's in Genesis chapter 16 and Galatians chapter 3, right? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, and there's more in Genesis, but chapter 16 is the main chapter for that event. Thank you so much. I thank you for your time. Uh, I, I was watching your show. It's almost like it's uh, the Lord trying to tell me something because I had a, a very deep conversation with uh, with my employer about this just today, and I just happened to see your channel, <laughs> and, I, and I looked at the title, and I just flipped it on. So it's really, That's it's, interesting. Uh, I think the Lord's trying to watch over me here because I have been... Uh, thinking about joining the LDS mm -hmm. Church, being a non-denominational Christian my whole life, because the way they put it, nope, uh, it, it just sounds so good. And I always, I always go back to Galatians chapter one yeah. about how if anybody don't preaches any other gospel than that which we have preached to you, it, it's let not that from man God. be accursed. So That's I right. always, always have that, you don't. know. And uh, mm -hmm. 
and just uh, trusting in yeah. uh, trusting in Yeshua and uh, mm-hmm. hoping that he'll guide me. So uh, okay. God bless you and uh-huh. uh, God bless all the listeners and thank you for your time. Thank you. Good night. Thanks everybody for their call. Um, you know, after years of believing uh, that God was a hateful tyrant and discovering that he is actually good, I was grieved that I had been cheated out of so many years of my life where I could have been living under God's truth and love and mercy and forgiveness. And we want those who watch the show and those who don't know the true God to seek him and to seek the beauty of his holiness rather than turn from his only person who's the very best person for them. I'm grateful that God is big and higher and, and better and greater than my my thinking and that he knows everything that's going on around the world. But there's much about him that we don't understand, but there's so much that we do understand. God is good. He's wise. He's patient. He has a sense of humor and he's forgiving and he's full of grace and truth. You know, God doesn't burden us with guilt. Instead, he takes our guilt away. I know that I'm a sinner and sinners need a savior and he is it. He doesn't condemn me to hell for my sins. Instead, he paid the penalty for my sins and gave me eternal life. My trust is in him, not in people. Not My trust is in him, not in church leaders. People will always disappoint us, but God never will. People are fallible, but God isn't. When people let me down, I can praise God that he'll never let me down. I can trust him to be faithful and I can forgive others because God has forgiven me. To know God is to love him. We hope you can discover that too. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.